I started reading it back in high school and I remember getting halfway through and then I just couldn't finish and I flunked all the tests that came after. <laughs> hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle and this is What Should I Read Next? Episode 191. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Readers, have you ever finished a great book, then realized it left behind a hole no other book will ever be able to fill? Well, today's guest is Andy Serrato, a reader who fell into the arms of a mega popular series with a welcoming fandom and enough pages to smother yourself in. And ever since, she's struggled to break her obsession and pick up new books in different genres. Now, I am all here for knowing what you love and reveling in it, but Andy truly wants to expand her reading life. So now I'm doing my best to get to the core of what delights her about this series and open a portal to other reading worlds that will be just as satisfying in new and exciting ways. Let's get to it. Andy, welcome to the show. Hi. When we got your guest submission form, that you filled out at what should I read next podcast.com slash guest. It really got our attention because you have a serious bookish dilemma going on here. And I imagine that you are not the only one experiencing it. Would you tell me about that? So I love Outlander. And after I started reading it, I've had a very hard time picking out new books to read. And I know I'm not the only one because I'm on many Outlander like fan groups it's a question that pops up very often. People are like, oh my God, I finished all the Outlander books. What do I read next? And it's hard finding something after having such a big obsession for a series. When did you start reading Outlander? When did you find the first one? Uh, I'd say maybe about a year and a half or two ago. I actually just finished the fifth book a few days ago. Are you reading it for the first time or have you already been through the series and you're doing it again? No, this is the first time. I feel like I get such a bad book hangover after I finish one. It takes me a good few weeks to pick up the next and then it takes me forever to finish it because it's so intense. That's interesting. Okay, when some people find a series they love, they speed through all the books as quickly as possible because they just want to see where the characters end up. But that's not your style. Are you more a saver when it comes to reading a book you really enjoy? I want to enjoy it. I want to savor it every moment of it. And then I don't want it to be over when I'm close to the end. So so you're on book five, The Fiery Cross. How many are in the series now? We're waiting for the ninth installment to be released by Diana. So eight that are out right now. And then we're just waiting for the ninth one. I love that you're on a first name basis with Diana. Oh, <laughs> yes, Diana. We'll just call her that. It's fine. She's written all kinds of Outlander accessories. She's written books about Lord John, and she's written some extra stories. And I know I have a big yellow book on my shelf that's like a extra canonical work. How do you feel about those? Are you going to read those? I really, really want to. I haven't purchased the next book over. I don't know. I feel like I want to pick up other books other than Outlander. I think I'm ready, and I'm ready to take a break before I read the next one. But once I'm done with all of them, I really want to read all the novellas, everything. It's just so good. So it's interesting. You found a series you really love, but it sounds like it's ironically not doing great things for your reading life. Yeah, it's just keeping me from amazing other books. Before I picked up Outlander, I was reading 
many books a month. I'd say maybe five, six a month. Now I'm just reading Outlander. <laughs> the last book I read in between was probably Every Day by David Levinson. Uh-huh. And that's it. All I've read has been Outlander. <laughs> Are you able to capture what it is about these books that have so thoroughly sucked you in? I want to say it's the, her writing style. It's just so, what's the word? It like hooks you in. It's so captivating and the characters are just so likable and then the villains are so bad. <laughs> you just want to know what's going to happen. Okay, well, that is seriously high praise. Will and I have been joking at home about how the key to happiness seems to be low expectations. And it sounds like your experience with the Outlander has really raised your expectations for your reading life. Yes, definitely. Probably couldn't put, have put it better. For readers to find a book they really love. I mean, we talked to readers about book hangovers all the time, both on what should I read next and then in the in the real world of readers. <laughs> the thing about a great book is that readers do say that it feels like it ruins them for everything else out there for a little bit. So there are some strategies we can explore. Hopefully, we'll be able to restore some sense of balance and control to your reading life. Yes, that would be amazing. Although I've got to say, it's pretty great that you found a book that was so right for you that it's thrown everything off kilter. Yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, you know how this works. You are going to tell me three books you love, one book you don't, and what you've been reading lately. Although, like you said, there's not a lot to choose from. And we will talk about how to broaden your literary horizons with something not by Diana Gabaldon. That sounds great. I think I can guess your first book. Do you have anything to add about Outlander? I want to say Outlander and all the books I've read from that series, but my favorite out of all of them, I'm going to say, is the first one. That's what hooked me in, and that's what captivated me, and that's what kept me want to read everything else that happened. It's just been a wild ride, and I always tell people when I talk about Outlander, Outlander kind of breaks your soul apart, and then they put it back together, and then they break it up again. (laughs) (laughs) When I first heard about the Outlander phenomenon, This was at least, I'm thinking houses. This was two houses ago. So it was at least five years. But I'd heard about the series and I thought, wait, the books are about what? That sounds dumb. (sighs) But then I was at a friend's house and she had the first three books in the series checked out from the library. And silly me, I thought, oh, it's a trilogy. It, It looked like a manageable number of pages at the time. I had no idea that there were so many more books. I picked it up and you know, I was curious. I wonder what the writing style was like. I started reading her introduction to the 20th anniversary edition. And she told the story of how she came to write these books with a really unexpected concept, which is 1940s woman is standing in the wrong place at the wrong time and gets sucked through the standing stones back to the 18th century highlands. And then she falls in love while being pursued by her husband's dastardly ancestor. Yes, one of the greatest villains I've ever read. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's so horrible. Yeah. So Diana Gabaldon is an academic, isn't she? I believe she has a PhD. She's just awesome all around. So Diana Gabaldon set out to write her first historical novel. She'd been told that first novels were almost universally terrible. So she just wanted to hurry up and write it and get it over with. So she said that she was writing and it was supposed to be historical and she'd researched the time period and this was her area of expertise and she knew what she was doing and it was fine. Except this contemporary woman kept butting her way into the pages and she thought, what are you doing here? And finally went, fine, I'll I'll edit you out later. You can stay. But the more she wrote, the more she thought, oh, this is actually kind 
kind of fun. And that is the story behind Outlander. So one, I thought, oh, Diana Gabaldon thought this sounded like a dumb idea at first too. So I'm listening. And also you are really funny. Like she, I just really liked her sense of humor and it made me want to read the book. And then I got hooked. I have heard interviews from Diana where she says this story kind of just wrote itself. It was just this woman who was very independent and she wrote her story herself. So I think that's fascinating. Was Outlander off the beaten path from what you typically read? Yes, very much. I had probably never picked up historical novel on my own that wasn't for school. Oh, interesting. So historical isn't usually your jam. Yeah, it's mostly like sci-fi, fantasy, post-apocalyptic, those type of books that would catch my eye. And then Outlander is like romantic and a historical novel, which is something I never go towards. Either one, not historical nor romance? I don't lean towards the romance and mm-hmm. romantic comedies or stuff like that. Or historical. I, I used to think they were boring, mm-hmm. but now I'm all obsessed with Scotland <laughs> after reading this. <laughs> well, personally, I love it when a good storyteller can make me care about a subject I didn't think I cared about at all. Whether it's men in kilts in the 18th century highlands or, you know, nonfiction stuff like jellyfish. Yeah. Either way, if you can hook me in by the strength of your storytelling, I love it. Do you resonate with that? Yes. I think she's amazing for doing that. I'm sure there's more people out there that didn't have a love for history or Scotland or, you know, Highlanders or history from that time period that after reading Outlander are now hooked. There's people that are booking vacations. They want to learn about the history. I was in Edinburgh last December and I did not take a Highlands tour. We didn't make it to that part of the country, but just walking on the rather touristy Royal Mile, I should have anticipated, but did not and was quite surprised by all the full-size cardboard Jamie Fraser's advertising (laughs) kilts and other official Outlander merchandise for sale. I really want to go. It's on my bucket list. I I need to go up there. Are you going to do the full Highlander tour? I mean, is this the ideal? Yes. I want to see all the filming locations. I want to see everything. You mentioned that you were listening to Outlander. Have you listened to all the books? I listened to the last ones, uh, Voyager, Fiery Cross, and Drums of Autumn. Mm-hmm. And I've read them so far apart that times have changed for me. I think it's been like two jobs I've had throughout the time when I started reading Outlander. So while you've had change in your personal life, Outlander has been there for you the whole time. Right. I also listen to some of the series. And for all you audiophiles out there, these books are narrated by Davina Porter, who is an excellent narrator all the way around. She's awesome. I'm always inclined to listen if I see that she's the narrator. And I could maybe count on one, maybe two hands, the number of narrators I feel that way about. But oh, she's good. I love her accents and how you can just tell which character she's narrating. It's just it's just so easy to follow with her. She's a real pro and a pleasure to listen to. Okay, Andy, this might be tough, but we're going to leave Outlander behind just for oh, a minute. No. <laughs> tell me about another book you love. So another book I really love is Red Queen, which I'm pretty sure I read the first time before I even knew about Outlander. And this is a post-apocalyptic one. Mm-hmm. So this is a type of style that I gravitate towards. So it's a society where people have silver or red blood. The silver people have powers and the red-blooded people don't. So she has red blood and then finds out she has powers. So it was really good. And I love the plot twists on this one. So it sounds like that one is more in your usual wheelhouse of what you choose to read. Yes. Have you read the whole series? No, I actually have the very, uh, I think it's called King Cross, King's 
Cross or King Sword or something like that, which is the next one I have to read. But I've been so busy with Outlander, <laughs> I haven't picked it up. <laughs> well, reading one Outlander book is like reading two or three other books because some of those are over a thousand pages. Yeah, Fiery Cross was 50 hours, I think, or 48 hours on my audiobook. Oh, wow. Do you listen yeah. at regular speed? No, I listen at 1.5. So if a 300-page novel is eight or nine hours and a big historical novel is like 15, yeah, yeah, that's three and a half books. Yeah, so I, I need to pick up the rest of the Red Queen so I can find out what happened. I probably should read them from the beginning because I haven't read them in so long. Andy, what did you choose for your third favorite? My third one was um, Every Day. I actually picked this one up. Maybe I was done with the third Outlander book and it was so fast. I read it in one day and it's a romantic book and it's something I wouldn't have picked up before. But for some reason I did and intrigued me. And it's about this person who every day wakes up in a different body. Eventually he falls in love and every time he wakes up in someone else's body, he finds this girl because he's fallen in love with her. And I thought that one was fascinating. It was just the concept of it was crazy on its own. And then the love story was great. I thought it's a book I wouldn't have picked up if it weren't for Outlander. I think Outlander showed me romance and it showed me historical novels and all of those genres that I wouldn't have chosen before or picked up on my own. Andy, tell me about a book that was not right for you. Um, so the only one I can think of is Wuthering Heights. That well, I started reading it back in high school, and I remember getting halfway through, and then I just couldn't finish, and I flunked all the tests that came after. <laughs> I'm just taking a stab in the dark here. Slow, melodramatic, over the top. Is that fair? Yeah, I feel like the pace is probably a good way to describe that because it was so slow from what I can remember. I don't remember much of the story, but I remember being at so slow, and I was so bored, and I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> That's the one of the few books that I can remember that I just didn't like. Do you think that's because you're easy to please as a reader? Or do you think that's because of what you choose to actually read? I think it's because of what I personally choose. Mm -hmm. I feel like if it looks like I'm not going to like it, I don't read it. If it looks like I'm going to like it, I usually will like it. <laughs> what are some warning signs that, turn, that make you think, uh, maybe I should keep moving? Probably the romantic comedies that I stay away from. Wait, what does romantic comedy mean to you? The Notebook or, well, this, that's not a romantic comedy. Like <laughs> Nicholas Sparks doesn't write <laughs> Nicholas comedy. Sparks, <laughs> that, I see Nicholas Sparks, I'm like, and I know this is probably going to make a lot of people mad, but I just stay away. Yeah, I think I mostly gravitate towards like sci-fi, fantasy. I like crime mysteries too. And that's usually what I read. If it doesn't look interesting to me, I just leave it alone. <laughs> Andy, so you want to branch out a little. And yet it sounds like you're very happy with your sci-fi fantasy home base. Is it fair to say you want to branch out a little? Yes. Okay. I feel like Outlander has opened up that door for me where it'll be easier to pick up books that I wouldn't have picked up before. Okay. I'm really happy to hear that you took a chance on something that you weren't sure about and that it's really changed the way you think about what you might read next. Yes, it paid off, definitely. A lot of times when people have an experience in their reading lives, they assume that's how everyone would react to, for example, finding a great series. Some people would find the first Outlander and they'd snatch up the rest immediately and not read anything else until they were done, which is pretty much what I did. I remember when I did like a wrap-up newsletter for Modern Mrs. Darcy, I tabulated the number of pages I read and it was, I think it was precisely 8,972. And I just oh, read them back to back, but that is not the only way way to enjoy a good series. And I love that you're highlighting that for us. 
yeah, I want to savor them all. And I know I still have a few books to go, but I want to make sure I savor them. They're just so good. They can't end so fast. And yet you want to enjoy what you're reading in between. Yes. Are you ready to talk about what you may enjoy reading next? Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) You're excited and I'm nervous. So Andy, you loved Outlander. You loved The Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard and Every Day by David Levithan. Wuthering Heights was not for you. Now, definitely not all science fiction or fantasy books are fast-paced. Well, the, the same is true for crime novels. But is it fair to say about your reading preferences that you do prefer books with a brisker pace? I think so, yes. Okay, that's helpful. What I'm seeing here is that you like books with interesting concepts, a faster pace, strong on plot, but what is really jumping out at me is that you're looking for a book that really has emotional resonance. Yes, yeah. Good world building that can suck you right in and make you feel like you know the people in front of you and make you feel like you're there. Yes. Oh my God, you're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You could have told me that too. It's just hard to explain my reading life. So hearing it from someone else, I'm like, yes, yes, that's extremely right. Oh, I think it's much easier to be articulate about someone else's reading life than your own because you're way too close to it to see it yourself and you understand every little single nuance, but it's easier for someone else to see the big picture. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So the question is, what do we do next with that information? Now, I would imagine that the Outlander message boards are full of recommendations for what readers who loved Outlander might enjoy reading next. Have you gone looking in those places for that information? I've seen a few titles. I've noticed there's a pattern. A lot of them like Harry Potter, the whole series. or I hadn't thought about that, but that seems like a good one. Have you read Harry Potter? It's sitting on my shelf. I've had it maybe for 10 years and I've only read one book. <laughs> How old were you 10 years ago? Uh, well, I'm 25, so 15. Uh-huh. I really like the first book. I, you know, now that I think about it, I probably could pick them up and read all the Harry Potter series and be good. But I think the movies were out and I knew the story and maybe that's why I didn't pick them up. Anything else from the Outlander message boards? Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I have not read those. I'm contemplating reading those too but then there's a lot of mixed emotions because it's so different from outlander Mm -hmm. so it's either you love it or you don't Mm -hmm. i've noticed and then after that's a bunch of time traveling books they recommend and i can see why they would recommend time traveling books and i could see why they'd recommend fantasy and yet you could go to many different genres and still get that strong character strong sense of place strong emotional resonance that i think is really what's underlying your interest. Ooh, also strong concept. That's important too. Andy, I think it's interesting that you said that some of those books don't sound exactly like Outlander because I think when readers are suffering a serious book hangover or when they feel like they're in a serious reading rut, what they need is not more of what they loved, but something different so that they're not as naturally inclined to compare the two. I kind of hate this expression, but it's like a palate cleanser. You need something different, especially when you just read something that has meant a lot to you as a reader. Is that a direction you're willing to go in? Yeah. And that actually sounds good. I never, my mindset was like, oh, I need to find something similar. I need to find something that's going to give me just as much satisfaction I think. And I never thought, hey, why don't I pick up something different completely on the other side of the spectrum? And maybe I'll be good too. Mm -hmm. I think we'll do some of each. We'll do a little bit along the lines of Outlander and some not so much. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. Let's start with a series with a direct Claire and Jamie connection. How does that sound? That sounds good. 
There is a series by Sarah Donati, whose real name is actually Rosina Lippi. Uh, Donati is a pen name. It's called Into the Wilderness. Just to start with like a two paragraph, tiny, tiny detail. Rosina Lippi and Diana Gabaldon are pals. They actually met during the time that Lippi was working on her first book, Into the Wilderness. And she said that Diana Gabaldon actually introduced her to the agent that she worked with subsequently. In her book, there was a flashback to the Battle of Saratoga, and that was a big battle in the Revolutionary War. And she said, Diana said, "Um, my characters are in the Battle of Saratoga. Lippi said, in her book, she needed a doctor. Could she borrow Claire? And she said she was completely joking, but Diana said, I'll send her right over. So very briefly in this book, there's a mention of the Dr. Claire Ian Murray gets a mention, and later, one of the protagonists is struck by this Scot named Jamie Fraser, who made quite an impression on him and who he's thought about often since. They said that it was mostly meant to be an inside joke, and they weren't sure if any readers would pick up on it at all. But, I mean, of course, Outlander fans totally picked up on it. I would imagine. I'm I'm intrigued just listening to this. She also is a academic and historian who is very interested in where history meets excellent storytelling. Her book is not set in the Scottish Highlands, and I think that's an advantage for you because I don't know that trying to replicate that experience directly is going to end happily. And if you wanted to do that, I mean, search Highlander on Goodreads, and now Outlander has really fueled a boom of all kinds of fiction. So you could find that if you wanted it, but I don't think that's what's really going to make you happy as a reader. The first book in the series is called Into the Wilderness. They're historical, and they are set in the United States, in upstate New York, from about the 1790s to about 1825. And I think what is so great with these is they combine history, great storytelling, strong women, and you get to stick with this family over many years, and you see how they grow and change and relationships develop and are broken. Because they're so richly detailed, they really sink you into the world you're reading about. So the strong woman in question, her name is Elizabeth, and she leaves Britain to join her family in this tiny part of upstate New York. So the strong woman in question is named Elizabeth, and she was raised on a very comfortable estate in England, but she comes to America and she moves to the middle of nowhere with her family. And she's never been anywhere like this before, and it is entirely new to her. And that's where she encounters Nathaniel, the man who is later struck by Jamie Fraser. You have history, you have romance, and you have a nice long time span that you can really sink into. And if you love this, there are six books, and I do think they get better as the series goes on. This was blurbed by Diana Gabaldon, who says that her favorite kind of book is the sort you live in rather than read. And I think those words would speak to you. That series sounds so good. I know it's something I would have said no to in a heartbeat before I read Outlander, but it sounds so good right now. I'm wondering about some YA fantasy, time travel fantasy. What do you think? Maybe? Yes. The second book I'm wondering about for you is by Alexandra Bracken. It's called Passenger. Is this a book you know? The name sounds familiar. The author's name sounds familiar, but I can't place her. She's been writing for a good long time, even though she's not terribly old. She's the author of the Darkest Mind series. Oh, okay. 
So I like Passenger for You because like Outlander, it is part historical romance and part time travel adventure. This one is more firmly grounded in contemporary reality though. Our protagonist is a 17-year-old who is a talented violinist from a family of musicians and she's about to make her debut in a high-pressure New York City setting, but her future changes in a hot minute because her mentor is killed as she watches and she weirdly suddenly finds herself aboard a ship in 1776. As the story unfolds, it turns out that this time traveling ability is a secret that her family has well known about for eons and they have just kept it from her for their own reasons. There's definitely a love interest here, a man who has his own complicated relationship with time and staying in one time. If you do love this book, it ends on a major cliffhanger, which was a bummer for me because I do like to read my books all in a row. I read this shortly after it was published and I had to wait a very long time for the next book in the series, which I did not particularly enjoy. I'm not sure how you handle cliffhangers. Now the second book is out. It's called Wayfarer and it's readily available. I think it's perhaps even better than the first, you wouldn't have to wait to find out what happens next. But how do you handle those cliffhangers when you tend to space out the books in your series? Do they bother you? Do you just think, oh, Mm. I'll just, I'll wait a few months. It's fine. I handle them fairly well. For the first time I read The Red Queen, none of the books had come out after it yet. Gave me something to look forward to. So I feel like I handle them very well. I admire your patience. It can be a good and a bad. (laughs) (laughs) So for readers who read 500 pages of Passenger and think, I have to know what happens next, you can get your instant gratification with the slightly longer Wayfarer. If readers are more your style, then they can just have something to look forward to. Yeah. For your third book, I'm thinking about taking a serious left turn. Ooh, that sounds intriguing. How do you feel about the theater? Theater. When I think of the theater, I think of Shakespeare. In a good way? Yeah, I think so. I mean, after The Cursed Child came out, I've thought about reading Harry Potter, but I know The Cursed Child is a um, a script. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Cursed Child, I forgot. We should really come back to Harry Potter. Earlier in this conversation, you mentioned that you like crime novels, and I thought, oh, the... Robert Galbraith books about Cormoran Strike, J.K. Rowling's current mystery series that she's writing. And because I don't have your patience, I wish she'd write faster because I really want to find out what happens next after Lethal White ended. And it came out back in September, I think. So I've been waiting all this time and she can only write these giant books so fast. (laughs) But I was thinking that you may really enjoy the Cormoran Strike mystery series. They're procedurals. They have an element of romance. They have a strong sense of place. They're set in London. These are mysteries where, of course, you care about the detective solving the crime. But just as important in these books are the personal relationships of the people in the story. So you read to find out who committed the crime, but you also read to find out what will happen next in the lives of these characters. And I imagine that the crime novels you enjoy share that dual storyline element. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, that sounds really good. You should read these in order. The Cuckoo's Calling is the first, and it's where you meet Detective Cormoran Strike and his soon-to-be new assistant, Robin. They're called in by a family member to investigate when a supermodel falls to her death in London. 
it's so interesting to read these as an American because we don't have CCTV everywhere. And I haven't read a British crime novel in the last 20 years that hasn't prominently featured CCTV. So that's always interesting. CCTV and Tesco. That's how you know you're reading a British crime novel. But for a reader with your preferences, I think it could be an excellent series. Also, the fact that you read Outlander shows that you have a stomach for some steamy content and also some really horrific scenes of violence and torture. And oh, I think some of those scenes in Outlander, especially the first book, I actually read very few of the words in some of the final chapters because it was so difficult to read. And I thought, oh, tell me what happens so I can get on with it. But oh, this is painful because she really puts her characters through some tough stuff. Yeah, she's intense and uh, you got to read and watch them suffer pretty much. Pretty much. Well, The Cuckoo's Calling is not that intense, but books two and books three in the series, The Silkworm and Career of Evil, there was some serious skimming involved for me because they were a little gruesome in places. So there's a warning to all listeners, but I think you'll be fine, Andy. I think I can handle it. Yeah. With your loves, strong character, strong sense of place, excellent world building, emotional pull, characters you can root for, I think you will find it worth your time to go back to Harry Potter. Yeah, I might just have to. They're sitting on my shelf, so it's easy. So the books we talked about today, we have the Into the Wilderness series by Sarah Donati. We talked about Passenger by Alexandra Bracken and the Cormoran Strike series beginning with Cuckoo's Calling by J.K. Rowling, a.k.a. Robert Galbraith. And also, definitely, Harry Potter. Of those books, what do you think you'll read next? The Passenger is pretty much sticking out for me. And I feel like that's the one that's like completely different from everything else because it's YA science fiction. But I think that's the one I want to pick up. I think that sounds great for you. And I think it sounds like a great palate cleanser coming off Outlander. It would do me good to read something completely different. I need to go on my Kindle and look for it now. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think. Andy, thanks so much for talking books with me today. Oh, no, thank you. This was so much fun. Hey readers, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Andy and I would love to hear what you think she should read next. That page is at what should I read next podcast.com slash 191 and it's where you will find the full list of titles we talked about today. You can also find Andy on Instagram. Check out her account at Andy Serato M. That is Andy A-N-D-Y Serato S-E-R-R-A-T-O-M as in massive outlander reading hangover, but hopefully we all can help. Subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We will see you next week. One great book listeners, we will catch you on Friday with another new 10 minutes or less, one of my favorite books episodes. Listen to One Great Book wherever you get your podcasts. If you are on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Bogle. That is Ann with an E, B is in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Ann Bogle and at What Should I Read Next. Our newsletter subscribers are the first to know all the What Should I Read Next news and happenings. If you are not on the list, sign up now at What Should I Read Next podcast.com slash newsletter. Then you'll get our free weekly delivery. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your book-loving friends, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or check out my newest book, I'd Rather Be Reading, for yourself or a friend. Thanks to the people who make this show happen. What Should I Read Next is produced by Brenna Frederick, with sound design by Kellen Pekacek. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. 
and as Rainer Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.